This podcast is made possible by the Office of Christian Formation. It is at the table where significant moments in our lives are celebrated, revealed, and sustained. Tables are both launching places and landing places set to nourish us with stories of our lives, our tradition, and our world. Each uniquely reflects God's presence. Welcome to Around the Table, a podcast that seeks to nurture faith formation at the table of our lives, with those gathered to be family at each table. Here are our hosts. Michelle Thomas Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Cliff, my husband and I are recent empty nesters, so our dinner table looks drastically different than it did even just a couple years ago. It's just the two of us and our dinners have become much more simpler and shorter. But I know that's not the case in Dayton, Ohio, around your dinner table. No, it is not. Some days are very, very hectic. Yesterday was a very hectic day around the dinner table. We had pick up the kids from school. My son had taekwondo. I had to go to the grocery store. We had to come home. My son had his first meeting of the Lego League last night. Ooh, Lego League. Which I got drafted to be the coach for. Uh Uh-huh, of course. Uh, So we did that, then came home, and then had very rushed meatball subs around the table. And my wife was working late as a marriage and family therapist last night. So it was just the three of us in kind of a rushed, hushed conversation. But there there was conversation there. We talked about what happened during the day and that sort of thing. But tonight will be a more normal night. Tonight, everybody's going to be at home on time. I'm going to cook us a nice dinner and we'll have good conversation after I move all this podcast equipment off the dinner table. And we will, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll have good conversation. And, and your, uh, t- your kids are elementary and Elementary teenagers. and middle schools. Yes, yes. Well, I have uh, college students, so they're still adolescents. So when we gather, we, you know, are intentional about our conversation. But I have been wondering about how to have a deeper conversation at the table or tell more meaningful stories. You know, what are the stories they need to hear as they grow up? And so that's what we're going to do today. That's what this new podcast is all about. How do we tell stories around the table? And our guest today, Mark Iaconelli is an author, a retreat leader, a spiritual director, a story catcher, a husband, a father. He is the founder and executive director of The Hearth, a nonprofit that utilizes personal storytelling to heal, connect, enrich, and mobilize communities for good. Mark is a co-founder of the Center for Engaged Compassion, which seeks to cultivate compassion for peace and reconciliation. Welcome, Mark. So, what does your dinner table look like? We've heard everything else about you. Like you, Michelle, we're recent empty nesters. We are a house, though. I always call it, we're like a working ranch. We're a working house. And so we still have people coming in at our dinner table all the time. And my sister-in-law was here. She only lives 30 minutes away, but she decided to stay the night two nights ago, you know, and so we had dinner with her. Um, uh, There's a couple of friends who live uh, 30 minutes, another 45 minutes out of town. They came and stayed the night the other night. So it's not, it's not unusual. We have a couple of regular set dinners with friends that happened every week. Mm either at our house or their house. So, um, so it's still, uh, it still feels weird just when it's just my wife and I, it's, it's, we're getting used to it. But you, you're not that often. You're often making that table fuller with other people. Yes. And, and that was definitely the case while our kids were growing up. There were often friends here, their friends, or, um, uh, we had regular nights with different families that we would have. We actually had, you know, like you go into an inn and they have like a sign in, like you stay over at a bed and breakfast or a hotel. 
So we actually have had so many people um, in the first 10 years of our marriage, we had people here for six years. Oh my gosh. Out of 10, there was somebody staying the night and it wasn't like long periods of time. It'd be like one week and then another somebody would stay for two weeks. Then we'd have some family hanging out with us for another week. And so it's kind of been that kind of a household. That's beautiful. Yeah. So when you have that kind of a house, household, your dinner table is filled with stories, you know, yes. how does that happen? How do you, how do you make a table conversation significant? Well, and this, and this has been something uh, that we have been very intentional about. So the first thing I want to say that, that maybe uh, I think needs to be said is it's, I know it's, it's a fight just to be at the table. (laughs) First of all, like step one, you can't tell stories and share unless you're actually there. And as you know, Michelle, and I'm sure Cliff, you're going through with your, your middle school student, you know, it's like, why can't I just eat right now? Why do I have to wait for everybody else? You know, you got, you got people with different schedules. You got kids coming back from band practice or they're seeing friends or they have sports or whatever. And people want to do eat at their own schedule. Is that right? Yeah. And you also, um, I think now what parents are fighting is you have kids who all want different types of food. So you have the vegetarian, you have the vegan, you have the person who's gluten-free, you know, so sometimes it's easier just let them pick up their dinner and eat wherever they are. Yeah. And and I particularly, you know, I, I have, uh, two sons who are, who are in their mid late twenties. And then I, I have a daughter who's 20 and when our older boys were in high school, um, you know, it was a fight almost every night <laughs> you know, yeah. where it was like, well, we're going to sit down for dinner. It's like, why? Why do I have to do this? I just want to eat now. I want to get to my homework. Or I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And as many of you know, in parenting, you have to decide what are the fights I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. You have to pick your fights and you have to let you just, you know, you, you let some things go like, OK, dress however you want. I'm not fighting over clothes anymore. But dinner was one of the fights that. Good. We consistently remained. And what was interesting is when our kids went off to college, they came back and we were a little more loose sometimes. Like, oh, you can grab something. And they'd say, why are we sitting around the table? Right. Like, why exactly. Because like, that's the tradition. College. The yeah. foundation had been laid and they wanted it back. Yeah. Yeah. And they wanted their college friends to experience it. So, because so, not everybody does. Because not everybody does. And they were just like, what do you mean just get something from the stove? So we would sit around that table and what normally happens is there they know there is going to be a question. Mm. So that's part of the the ritual that we're going to eat. There's going to be some small talk. But as people have sort of started to finish their plates, uh, two, a couple of things would happen. Either dad would ask a question and the question might be very broad. There's there's a book called um, Sleeping with Bread. It's, an mm, old it's a great book. book. Yeah, it's it's a, one guy's a Jesuit priest and his brother and his brothers and his, his sister-in-law. They wrote it together as a way to find life. It's based on Ignatian prayer. It's a way of helping our soul, our spirit, our nervous system mm-hmm. find moments of life. And and as as we're learning neurologically, our our brains have a negativity bias. We look at problems. We look at things that are going wrong. But in this little book, it gives you questions that you can ask, and the questions mm-hmm. are. When were you most alive today? Or when were you least alive? Or when were you most grateful today? When were you least grateful? When did you encounter love today? Something like that. So Ignatian practices, you Ignatian know, practices. Yeah, awareness examine. Which also train all of us, including our kids, to pay attention to what matters. Mm-hmm. Where are the moments where I'm moving out of the, the zombie vacation of 
culture <laughs> and when am I actually present, aware, awake, alive? And so that was kind of my go-to. I, you know, okay, so when were you most alive this week? But um, if if I didn't have a, a question, normally what I do is I listen for when someone shares something that is uh, that is life giving. Mm. So my son says, uh, uh, "I can't believe what happened." Uh, I was trying to drive, and and the car, Dad, why didn't you get the car fixed? The car broke down. I was totally frustrated. You know, I ended up late to go to this study session or whatever when he's in high school. So it's like, okay, let's each tell a time when we felt like there was a breakdown, either a personal breakdown or something broke down in class or it's beautiful. Like so we've already had one story shared. So we're kind of in that mode. The brain's already tracking. And then we go around. And I, I told you we have a regular night with a couple of friends of ours, two different couples. And that's how we do it. Every night as people are kind of sharing, as we gather, there will be something like, oh my gosh, I heard from my kindergarten teacher. I can't believe she's still alive. She's 98. She just wrote me. Okay, let's each tell a, a moment of kindergarten or a Beautiful. teacher that we loved um, or an awkward moment, whatever they share. And then we go around. Mark, in your book, I'm going to actually quote something you say. You say that if you don't pay attention, this is in your most recent book, Between the Listening and the Telling, How Stories Can Save Us. You say that if we don't pay attention to the relational nature of stories, both in the telling and in what is told, then we end up with stories that function as junk food. And I yes, think that's what you're right. saying is that you have to pay attention to the even the small talk and kind of pull out what matters or otherwise what happens is just junk food around the table. Right. Well, can I say something about like, like yeah. let's just how the story works here. Um, so, yes, a lot of our interactions with one another can be very frustrating. And in family, they can be very transactional. You didn't pick up the towels. I told you to pick up the towels. When are you going to start your homework? Last night, you start, You said you were going to get it done. You didn't get it done. You know, it's these kind of intense uh, uh, management kind of conversations. We're focused on problems. Story is the language of human experience. And every time I tell a story, it's an act of hospitality. I'm mm -hmm. welcoming people into my uh, into my life to see as I see and hear as I hear. And what they're learning in terms of neurology is our nervous systems and our brains co-regulate. So it's also a way in which we start to feel safe with one another and we we start to enjoy one another. And we don't always feel safe at home. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, right. So so our, and our kids don't. Our kids, you know, you, our, our kids come home. And it's like, don't put your bag on the floor. Hey, you left your towel in your room. Hey, when are you going to get to your homework? Get off your phone. And then we wonder, like, why don't our kids like to be at home and just share with me? You know, right? Because we live in that <laughs> level of logistical world where it's all just details, and it's anxiety, and mm -hmm. it's pressure, and it's parental fa fears and irritations. When we move into story, we move into a different state. It's full body meaning making. It's the way in which we we express and share emotions. So if I ask my daughter, uh, okay, any awkward moments at school today? Anything weird or awkward happen? It also throws them off. Instead of going like, how was school today? Right? Which, fine. You know, did you learn anything? No. You know, how was sports? Fine. You know what I mean? If yep. I ask a moment, one like, word, any weird interactions with an animal today, any awkward moments, 
Uh, you see anyone, is anybody in love in your school that you noticed? Actually, dad, our social studies teacher, he's dating. And every once in a while, he tells a story about a date. It's hilarious. Like what? And he, you know, starts, she starts to tell the story, right? And now I'm sharing her humor, the awkwardness in the classroom. You know, this actually happened where a whole class, this guy talked about his dating experience as <laughs> a 50 year old man. And she was like, dad, is that really what happens with adults? You know, they, would you really do that? Cause it sounded like teenagers and you know, it started a whole conversation. So as a family, you want to, or as parents, you want to find good questions, mm. questions that um, are surprising or interesting or give a young person a new way to look at their, their day or their, or their, um, their lived experience and stories can do that. And it, it's a way that we create communion around the table through mm. sharing those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see that the, when you're shifting from, you notice that detail about broken, broken down mm -hmm. places. Right. And when you ask the question, do you see the shift in the table? Absolutely. Everybody starts thinking. And then, you know, like uh, when our kids were growing up, you know, my 10 year old daughter might start and mm -hmm. she might say, well, I want to talk about like my friend Amelie had a breakdown. It's mm. like, what? And she's like, well, she was supposed to get a dog and her dad brought home a cat instead for their pet. And she's <laughs> totally freaking out at school. So we hear about that, you know, and we go around. I also love how even that, even the fact that they relate something small that you're that you're building off of, it's showing that the smallest thing that they can offer still has value at the table. And, and and not to hold back and not to just give an okay, fine, short answer, but the encouragement further on from that small little detail of a breakdown led to this whole thing in the house. So right. what are some other ways to encourage our maybe more timid voices at the table to express themselves more? Well, again, it's like a lot of when I'm helping people share stories, a lot of it is about creating a safe and listening context. So getting people to come to the table, making sure that kind of eating is done so people aren't reaching across or I'm so focused on the food, I'm not really listening. No phones, right? Mm -hmm. No phones at the key, table. That's key. And then if uh, my daughter says, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Amelie had a breakdown, my friend did, because she wanted a puppy and they got a kitten instead – my son might interrupt going like, oh, my God, I hate cats. And it's like, hang on a second. I have to protect the telling space so that Beautiful. my 10-year-old gets to be, you know, lately, let's finish. I want to hear what rest of what Grace has to say. Over time, we learn that we each have the space to tell our story, that no one's going to interrupt or ask questions. You know, I just get to finish it. And then maybe there's some conversation afterwards. Sometimes you might lean into it. There's a little game we used to play called two uh, one one lie and two truths. Maybe you've played this before with kids. Right. Two truths and a lie. Two truths and a lie. So we do that. And there would be stories behind those. Like, you know, so each kid and each parent talks about the day, two true things that happened and one lie. And then everybody has to find the lie. Right. But when you after it's done and it's like, yeah, I was lying. I didn't actually have coffee with an Australian today. They might ask like, but wait a minute, how was that other thing true? You know, you 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 said you you uh, you took drove a van without the owners knowing it that wasn't yours. When did that happen? You know, and so there's and we, Mark. Possible. We played a, a game. Uh, we call it three, uh, three on a couch, where you tell oh, yeah. a story, and if the three of us are 
you know, one of us puts a story in, but we all three tell it as if it's our own story. And we had one where my mom said, you know, about the time she drove a car into her neighbor's pool. And we were like, certainly that's my brother, you know, who is a, you know, knows how to get into some mayhem. Um, But it was my mom and they were checking out a, a house uh, that was for sale and they drove in the backyard and didn't know they had put in a pool. So the car went in the pool. Oh, and, yeah. you know, unless you're opening up the conversation to tell stories, you don't hear those beautiful moments, those hysterical moments, sad moments, or you don't get a glimpse into somebody's life. Yes. you And you, and you feel the core vitality of each person around that table and to feel seen and heard and known uh, is 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 really quite beautiful. I, I just had dinner a few weeks ago at, at a pastor's home in the San Francisco area. And um, the two parents were at the table, their teenager was at the table. And the teenager, they told me, she will sit here for five minutes. She's going to come in, she's going to grab food, she's probably going to leave. And I just kind of saw it as a challenge. Like, can I get this <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. Like, <laughs> talk to me, <laughs> you know? So I started, you know, asking about the T-shirts and asking about bands, you know, that you and I was like, okay, what's the most powerful music experience you've ever had? Boom. You know, she lights up, you know, uh, Primus, you know, I, Primus was way before my time. But it was a rock band. They came and they played, they <laughs> reunited in San Francisco and I got to catch them. And, you know, all of a sudden. And then we're talking band experiences. And then the parents want to share their band experiences, which she had never heard. You know, all this stuff happens, but I'm, you know, I'm constantly looking for a moment when I can ask them about their lives mm. and story is one of the ways you do it. And, and so that means uh, uh, um, you have to know how to ask questions that bring about stories. Mm-hmm. So that means tell me a moment when, or do you remember, or have you ever had an experience of, you know, questions that start like that? Well, you shared, um, you know, about the, your daughter shared about the dating teacher. And I thought that could easily move into sharing about dates that others have had around the table if they've had that experience. And, and I wonder, you know, how do you help families engage those stories that matter? Like you've never told these stories, but they need to be told, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, you know, a dating story or how you met is an important story, but it's not one we just tell often. Um, right. Often what we're telling is the funny story that's sometimes humiliating to the other person. Uh-huh. And so right. how do we tell stories that matter, that need to be said? Maybe well, how do you even know those stories that need to be said? Yeah, well, a couple things. So, so one is you're listening for it. So sometimes you can hear, um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's, you, you notice your your daughter's down. It's like, what's going on? It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. You know, Amelie and I ha- had a bad day and I don't want to talk about it. So then I'm thinking like, okay, so she's suffering. There's a breakdown in a friendship and maybe I'm going to tell a story about, did I ever tell you, you know, how I'm best friends with Kirk. We've known each other since we were 12. Did I ever tell you, like, we spent a whole year, we didn't speak to each other. I and I tell that story. And then maybe it's like, I turned to my wife, you know, did you ever have a moment where you just had a really painful time with someone's club? She tells the story, my sons tell a story, and then maybe my daughter's like, so what happened with Amelie? And now that she's felt that vulnerability and she's felt like, oh, this isn't so strange, she might open up and tell that experience. So sometimes you catch it in the moment. 
Other times, yes. I mean, stories are a way we transfer emotion. And, and depending on what stories you ask for, those stories will bring that emotion in, at the table. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you, you think of, um, well, I mean, like the holiday time, like it's 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 Christmas or whatever. And it's like, okay, what's a, what's a gift that someone gave you that wasn't an object? Mm. And then I tell, you know, that the time someone gave you something and it was a real act of giving and you received it and it was so nice to receive. And what are you talking about, dad? And I'll say, well, okay, well, I'll start. And I remember when this person, you know, noticed that, um, that, I, that I was good at speaking and I'm, you know, I had to tell the, tell the moment. And then my wife, tells a story and then it's so we sort of bring that okay this is what this season is about well and that's uh that's easier to get to when you do it more often so you might have i think it's important to say like if you're just starting this in your family and your kids are teenagers they're not going to know it's a safe place yet to tell those stories and they're not going to know how but you have to start at some point and so like that's the the more you do it, the easier it is. But if you try it and it doesn't work, then keep trying. Yeah. You know. And there and, and another little tip, a little story hack mm-hmm. is um there are story cards. Mm. And you see this sometimes at restaurants, they'll put them in the middle of the table. You know, there's a one called right. chat chat pack, chat pack. There's one called true story, um, the moth radio hour. If you know mm-hmm. from NPR where they they have people tell true stories, they just came out with a deck of cards. Um, there's you know Esther Perel. Have you ever this this yeah uh, yeah this, you know, uh, where should we begin is the name of her podcast, and she's kind of a relationship expert. She has a really massive book of story cards, and you know some are for adults, and she kind of has them marked that way. They're different categories, but a lot could be used at, at the table. So you could have those cards at the table, and then it's like okay. Everybody choose a card. Everybody's going to tell a story. And then you can either tell the story on your card or you can answer a prompt that someone else answered. If that oh, that's was good. Fun. Yeah. yeah. But but I think there are families that don't talk. And so that's hard to get to if you aren't used to it. So yeah. you get those cards and try it out. Yeah. Yeah. You try and, it. and maybe you try it out when you have friends over so that it's easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you everybody know, has to answer a card before dessert comes out. Right, yeah. that's oh, good. Man, I hate this. Why do we got to do yeah. this? Like, well, that's the rule. That's how we're doing it tonight. Okay. So how do you shift uh, from just telling stories to telling stories of faith or having faith conversations with your children about things that matter? <laughs> well, you know, the art of ministry is knowing when to bring God in and when not to. Mm. <laughs> <know>? Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> So, you know, you're always listening for those times um, when it's appropriate. So sometimes people are telling stories and, um, you know, you, there's, there's a natural connection. You know, I, 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 you know, no, that's that's interesting. You felt betrayed by your teammate on the basketball team. You know, that betrayal is actually weirdly a really important part of the Christian faith. It's 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 really mm-hmm. a, it's a key part of this story of Jesus, you know, and um when you experience betrayal, you know a little bit of what Jesus was feeling and what mm. this deeper experience is of when someone uh, isn't true to us. So, you know, there's moments like that. You can teachable moments. <laughs> I think them. even just acknowledging when you share those stories that these are sacred stories. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. 
you know, just so that you acknowledge the depth of intimacy that happened around the table. I think there's definitely also, I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think, Mark, that there's, we have to be careful we're not seeing it as a goal. Like, I've got to find yeah. a way to get God into this. You know, it's, right. if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen tonight, it's fine. But just right. by keeping that space available for the stories, the sharing to happen, once it comes around, then by all means, you know, use you bring it in in a way that makes sense. But I think forcing it in with a shoehorn is not going to get us the results that maybe some people would like. Exactly. And, and you know, you know, my kids will say, you know, I'll say, you know what, as we were, as we were, you know, mom made fresh bread tonight as we were passing it around. And then my sister, my daughter or my sons will say, here comes the Jesus story. Here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. They, you know, they feel the wind up. So, uh, but it is a part of my life. So at times I, I do bring it in naturally, or I'll tell a story that has faith in it because I'm, I'm reflecting in, in my own life that way. I think too, you have to know when to let it go because there is something holy in the moment of just sharing a story and you just say, thank you. But then later on you're driving with your daughter and you could say, you know, that was really a holy moment. And it reminded yeah. me of this, you know, and I can't stop thinking about the story because they may continue thinking about it too. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, yeah. My, my daughter is a runner and I remember she, some of the stories she would bring were about things that happened in the woods. She would run in the mountains and how she loved the smell of the trees and she feels like the trees are her friends. And, you know, she, she would get up there and she goes, I'm just more myself. And I would kind of say, you know, when I say I do meditation in the morning, I'm kind of going for that same sense of connectedness. You know, that's that same feeling of being open, grounded, connected. It's that same feeling you're getting in the trees. You know, it's kind of a prayer like experience. So I could make connections mm. like that. Yeah. Right. Do you ever sit at a table and you try to throw out a question and it just drops uh, or the people that you try to engage aren't aren't willing to do that? Yes. Well, there's, there's two or three problems that happen. One is you get the, you know, there's one friend who comes over sometimes and he he will talk the whole time. So, you know, I have to say, okay, well, you know, Steve will go, oh, I got, I got something I got to tell you, you know, I have a time that, and it's like, okay, wait, Steve, let's go with some of the kids first. And, you know, let's, let's go around the table. <laughs> and then Steve will say, okay, Steve. And now over time, you know, I can kind of kid him and go like, okay, Steve, we got to keep this within three minutes though. He goes, no, I am, I am, you know. But uh, so That's you got to watch, watch mom and dad taking up the, all the room or the adults mm -hmm. talking too much. I try to let the kids speak first. Um, That's a great second, role. Yes. Yeah. And then second time, uh, the, the second thing is you said, like, how do what happens if, if a question fails? And of course, you drop it and you find something else. One of the things I've had to work on in myself in my later years is I'm a Steve. I yeah. I love to tell stories. I love to hear people laugh. And the thing that I had to realize was how much I was missing out on in listening to all the other stories because I was perfecting my story in my head while they were talking and how much I was losing in that moment. That's something yeah, I've yeah. had to work on in myself and I'm still working on in myself. Don't ruin the experience for yourself by writing your next 15 minute monologue that you're about to deliver at the dinner table. Yeah. And, you know, uh, my daughter, she got older. She's like, I live in the patriarchy here. You know, <laughs> it was me. And I'm loud and I talk a lot. And two older sons who were very loud. 
and she's shy and she's quiet. And uh, so we, you know, my wife and I had to really protect her to share because mm -hmm. she just eventually would go like, well, nobody really cares or everybody's going to talk so loud and get so animated in their own stories. There's not going to be time for me. So we always kind of had to make sure that she shared first and okay, hang on, Joseph. Okay, you know what? Don't say anything. Grace is finishing her story, you know, and really protect. And everybody's valued. So that everybody has space. Valued. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm thinking about uh, some families who my husband grew up in a family that if you needed to talk about something important, you called a family meeting and everybody dreaded it. I think this process is such a more beautiful way of sharing hard news or sharing hard stories that you have to share, you know, just organically no. around the table. Yeah. And, you know, the other, like I say, that a lot of it, like you, it's a family meeting and there's a certain expectation. There's a certain culture around that, that your husband experienced. The other thing I would say is, is, um, you know, we kind of go from this hecticness. I've been looking at my phone. I've been, you know, my wife's like, can you bring up some, uh, you know, fizzy waters from downstairs and it's hectic. Now we're at the table and that same culture is there. And I would say one of the things that most helps our communication and sharing and presence to one another is we stop before, you know, once everything's on the table, we hold hands and we have silence and we look in the eyes of everybody around the table. Mm, that's beautiful. Maybe one line of prayer. It's, you know, any time friends are over, it can be awkward. People will giggle. Like, why are we looking at everybody? But that pause creates a different culture and it begins to introduce that there's a larger presence here and it introduces um, a culture of listening. So just yeah, we have a we have a prayer that I've taught the church that we just say for the hands we hold and the food we eat, we give thanks. Yeah. And that little pause creates the, a different sense around the table. Right. And taking a couple deep breaths to get to that place where let me put my feet here under this table and be with you. Yeah. And then maybe there's something that, that has just occurred, you know, you, you your son's and did you say you have a child in college? Yeah. Right. And, and maybe they, they were, uh, they went to Montreal to do a, a, a little French, you know, immersion experience. And you're like, tell us about one moment in my, you're just as your first time back. We haven't seen you in a while. You know, mm. What's one moment that was just, you felt really alive in, in Montreal. And they tell that moment, and that's at the very beginning, and it's right after that prayer, and you're already in that space of listening, and it just sort of creates a, a sacredness around the table. And I think that's good, too, because you are eating then, you're starting to eat, but you're also listening and being fully present with each other. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Any other tips you want to give us for families who are gathering around the table to share some stories and grow together? Well, for, for those you know who are, who are bringing up kids, this is the fight you need to be in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? maybe, maybe not cleaning the room, maybe not you know wearing the right clothes, but sitting around a table, eating and sharing experiences of your life and of your day, that is gold. And mm -hmm. that will create the relationships that your kids are hoping for and that you're hoping for. And it's, it, it may be a fight every night to make that happen, but this is one of the ones I would say engage in it. I would say also, especially if it's not been a habit until now, it may yeah. take some time. I mean, in our house, it has always been the way it has been. We have always ate dinner with the kids. 
they are used to it, but I know they're, and that's no knock on anyone whose house is not yeah. this way, but if yeah. you want to get it to that way, it may be a few bumpy nights getting there, but it can get there. It absolutely can get there. Yeah. And if you got parents, you know, somebody has to work and they can't make it for dinner, they're going to have a night. You know, do it at bedtime. Go in there, the lights dim. What's one moment today where you felt mm. really alive or awake and you sit on the edge of that bed, even with your 14-year-old daughter or whatever, and then you share a moment and it can be really special. All right. So what's your go-to question? We're going to, every episode, offer a a table question, and you gave us about 12 uh, questions. <laughs> uh, but what's your go-to? If, you're, if your children are coming home tonight for dinner, what's your go-to question? I usually say a moment of life or a time you felt really alive because it's neutral enough, you know, um, and they know what I mean by that, you know, where you felt awake, connected, aware, just a moment where you yeah. felt alive at school today and uh, or whatever. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us around this table for some conversation about parenting and faith and growing together. Friends, it's good to be together. It's uh, so fun to be with you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Great having you here, Mark. And now may our tables be places where we pass on faith, build a rich faith vocabulary, and nourish a deep and abiding love with our creator, redeemer, and sister. This podcast is made possible by the Office of Christian Formation. Join us next time as we continue the journey forming our Christian faith together.